Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Doctor Is In. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven. It's been a long time since I came and did an episode. Last time you listened to The Doctor Is In... Neil Gaiman was on the show, and obviously, this is a show about everything Doctor Who. It's just, it's it's become a pretty infrequent thing. It's like Inspector Morse. It's like Sherlock. It just sort of pops up whenever, whenever it's required. Well, it's required right now, folks. A couple of months back, in the middle of lockdown, uh, because I'm based in Melbourne, I was lucky enough to chat with uh, a friend of ours, Jason Haig Ellery. Now, he's the managing director of Big Finish Productions. He's the co-producer of all the Doctor Who audios. He directs, he's a, I mean, the guy is basically, he's helped bring to light Big Finish and Doctor Who. He's been active since the 90s on this thing, and look, we had this incredible talk via Zoom. This just absolutely revelatory chat, because it was about a week after the announcement that Christopher Eccleston was going to be returning and doing Big Finish audios, which is obviously the kind of, it's, it's, that's the kind of... Like that's the kind of news that we all live for in the world of Doctor Who. It's it's revelatory. It's it's huge. And I wanted to talk to Jason about this, but I also wanted to talk to him about what it's like when the goalposts shift, when Doctor Who on the TV changes the playing field for Big Finish. Because for those of you who don't know, Big Finish has been carrying the Doctor Who torch for many decades now. And some of I mean I've asserted before that some of the best storytelling in the world of Doctor Who has taken place in the world of Big Finish. It's audio, but not as you've ever heard it before. It's incredible. There's something incredible. And the things you can do in audio really do allow you to create worlds that you could never actually afford to put on screen. Big Finish now comprises so many of the ex-doctors and companions and writers and the, the music and the sound effects and the, and the stories being told are so Byzantine and so incredible. So I got on Zoom and I chatted with Jason. What you're about to hear is basically an unedited chat with Jason Hagellery of Big Finish about what it's like to put Doctor Who in the ears and in the hearts of listeners worldwide. I hope you enjoy it. Let's start at the beginning. Specifically, uh, Tegan wants to know if you knew about Eccleston when you were hanging out with her on set of Whovians and if you did and didn't tell her, you're a bastard apparently. (laughs) um i didn't actually no now bearing in mind uh there was two whovian moments there was the moment a year ago when i was on screen and there was a moment when we uh, we came down and saw you being recorded which one are you Mm. referring to i presume it's the most recent one yes we're being recorded the answer to that is still no because it all happened over lockdown really yeah so I uh, basically it was an opportunity for us to sit down there and work out everything and um, yeah Chris's agent was sitting there going I think this would be a good idea and then we talked through the whole process and we had to obviously Chris has been very honest about some of the issues he had in the past 
with regard to Doctor Who. And we discussed how we would work with him to make this the best process ever, basically. And um, it's it's fantastic that God, I used the word fantastic. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, it is fantastic that he has uh, agreed to come back and play the doctor again. Something I thought I'd never be able to say, to be frank, uh, at one point. Um, you know, uh, I, I've got a, um, I'm a hoarder by nature during this lockdown yes. my girlfriend and i have been through the entire house and i've probably thrown out about 50 percent of everything i've got which still makes this house incredibly incredibly crowded because um it's uh, naturally i keep everything and i suppose part of um uh, that that desire to have everything is to have all the doctors work for big things <laughs> so you know um obviously we uh, we now have tom peter colin sylvester paul uh, now we've got chris christopher oh. and we've got uh david so i've already been asked repeatedly when is matt smith going to come and work for us it's probably on your yes. list of questions and the answer is uh not yet uh i'm never going to say never because a lot of people have said never about christopher eccleston so uh, oh i mean he said no to coming back for the 50th on t he said no to tv but he said yes to big yeah. finish like that is We're very that's gotta feel good <laughs> yes i can that to be fair i don't think that's anything to do with the what was i think there was more to do with the time period and sure. it takes a period of time for people to go, do you know what? I miss that. And let's do it again. If you yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, time passing is actually a very important thing. Um, well, it's thematically uh, relevant too. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I, uh, you know, when, when Christopher left Doctor Who, Mm. Um, I think a lot of people felt they'd never seen in the part again. Um, and uh, it is fantastic that he is coming back. I've used that word again. It's in my head. No, I've, been thinking, he... I've been thinking about the Ninth Doctor so much for the last four months. That's the thing. It's in my head. I keep on. I went back and watched a load of episodes and mm. they are absolutely brilliant. I've got to say. They're great. Uh, They're really if you great. Have to watch them for a while. Go back and watch them because they are amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're halfway through a uh, revisitation of his run, and it's just from the from the minute he appears, it's very mm. very apparent. All those beautiful beats are hit. You find out you you know within seconds who the Doctor is, who Rose is, what it's like to travel in time, what it means emotionally, what it means physically. I think one of the things that really struck me about Eccleston coming back is that. He didn't really, because obviously he had some misgivings about the way it was handled. And the first thing I thought was like, holy shit, how are Big Finish going to dance that line? And how are they going to give him what he wanted the first time without pandering? And like, what, what, kind, of, um, what kind of a tightrope walk is that for you? I think I'm going to defer to John Edmonton and say, stay tuned. Because okay. um, it's, it, there, there is a lot of work to be done in the next few months. Um, 
and there's already been a lot of work done and uh, a lot of discussions uh, discussions with Christopher over how we are going to move forward with his doctor um, to be fair, it, it's what we've done with all the doctors. We've we've gone in. Um, the first example of that was with Colin Baker as the sixth doctor, and mm -hmm. after we did the first couple of productions way back in 1999, um, Colin sat down with us and said, "I'd like to move the doctor more in this direction because I feel I feel this is where the television doctor should have gone." Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's you know we've had similar conversations with Paul McGann. Uh, which led to things such as Dark Eyes and uh, oh. like reboot for his character and mm. and development. Um, and that's a, a reality that the the actors bring so much to the part. Um, you know, Tom Baker being a prime example of that. You know, yeah, uh, there was uh, he brought so much to the Fourth Doctor. Um, it's it's very important to listen to your leading man and what they want to get out of the production sure. because hopefully hopefully i mean we'll be sitting here um in 20 years time talking about what big finish are going to do for eccleston's 20th season on big finish oh just speaking my language it's so funny we were watching Rose, uh, the episode, and there's a moment at the end where he buggers off because she says no. And then he comes back and he says, did I mention it's a time machine? I was betting Tegan that that's where you'll set the adventure. So he goes off, spends like a decade futzing around and then comes back and he's like, I should really check up on that Rose bird. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's insane how... Okay, so the new show has done <coughs> some stuff which you've clearly had to adapt to i mean you know um the actors bring their own challenges and their own you know th th their own gauntlets that they throw down obviously yeah um and that gives you a lot of direction what's it like when the tv show kind of just drives an icebreaker right through the continuity that you've that you've been working on because i know that i know canonicity is like a really loosey-goosey term with doctor who but the fact is that some of the stuff that was done recently was big um like beyond big and how how are you how are you folks over at big finish processing that do you have a plan do you know stuff we don't like what are you doing with this well you know i think you know we just concentrate on making uh the best doctor who that we can mm. that we um we concentrate on good stories with good actors hopefully good direction and hopefully good producing. Um, and Doctor Who, I mean, one of the most um, perceptive things that Gary Russell has ever said, and you know, anyone who knows Gary Russell knows he doesn't say perceptive things very often. Uh, that's a thing. He may listen to this. Um, Gary was the first um, executive producer on Big Finish with me. And um, I've known Gary for, 37 years now and I will always remember that Gary said to me um, we have to make different types of Doctor Who for different types of people and that's always stayed with me because there are types of Doctor Who which aren't really my bag but we're going to make them anyway because they're somebody's bag and sure, sure. 
Um, I'm not going to start listing the ones which I prefer to others because that's pointless. Uh, the reality is that we need, we, we have an opportunity to do so much with Doctor Who. We have an opportunity, like, uh, I think last year we did 322 hours of drama um, across all the ranges and all the productions that we do. Yeah. Um, which, putting in context, uh, BBC Radio, Radio um, who have, you know, Radio 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, you know, etc. Um, they do 400 hours of drama with all their facilities a year. So it's, it's, um, it's a lot of new drama that we're creating. The positive thing about that, when you consider how much Doctor Who we do every year, is that we can do all types of Doctor Who. And there's always something for you. If you go through the back catalogue of, of, of uh, Big Finish and you love Doctor Who, and if you go on to um, uh, you go on to um, a discussion site and say I love this about Doctor Who, and these are my favourite television episodes, there will be big Finnish fans who will go on there and say, then you need to listen to Bang 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 Bang, because yeah, yeah. there is so much out there, and and I'm very glad that we have the ability to create so much Doctor Who. I think, um, you know, the television programme, you get 10 to 13 hours a, a year. Yeah. That means that you, you have to have um, a specific end game to that series. And it's very, you know, we, we all know it's, it's made very high quality, um, very... Um, uh, with with a, a lot of uh, a lot of thought put into it and a huge amount of um, intelligence put behind the concepts which they are putting across and they are taking Doctor Who in um, a, a different direction to where it's been before mm. but people would have said exactly the same about when um, William Hartnell regenerated or rejuvenated, as it was at the time, into yeah. Patrick Troughton. Um, when Patrick Troughton moved into John Pertwee and John Pertwee um, was, um, was with UNIT and stuck on Earth for that period of time. That's a good point, um, yeah. It's, there, there is always change within Doctor Who and sometimes I, I look back at, at comments that people have made. Um, I've actually got a quite substantial collection of fanzines, which during lockdown, I've actually discovered where most of them were hidden in the house and gone through them edit, and got rid of a few, but uh, a lot of camps. And it's, it's amazing looking back at the, the, the different reactions to things that happened in the early 80s. The casting of, um, the casting of Peter Davison, for example, um, because he was so young. Um, he was like 24 or something, wasn't he? He was very young. No, he was older than Matt Smith. He was, he was Matt, about, Smith, Matt Smith was 24. He was, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He, he was older than Matt Smith. He was 20, mm. 27, 28. Um, you know what? I should Google this. Um, <laughs> I'll dub it in later. It's, it's uh, where was I? Um, basically, Doctor Who has to change and Doctor Who has to have uh, development. Otherwise, yes. Doctor Who stands still. 
Yeah. And if you stand still, you get series. There's a very good reason why, you know, we're still talking about Doctor Who um, 57 years later. Mm. And, um, you know, Quantum Leap isn't doing its 57th season. Um, great series. I would watch that, by the way. I would, yeah, I would watch yeah. it 57th season. <laughs> I was going to say that was probably a bad example because Quantum Leap is definitely <laughs> a really good show. A, it's a really good show, which is definitely due a reboot. But, yeah, um, all, of, all of Ziggy is a single incarnation of the Doctor in the future. There you go. There yep. you go. But we've got, take Knight Rider, for example. That oh, is, yeah. that's, that's a format where if you can get five or six seasons out of that, you're doing well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have the fluidity and the, the ability to re-adapt and, and to change itself in the way Doctor Who has. And sure. It's... Um, as I say, Big Finish, we're very lucky. We get to produce so much that we get to do so many different versions of Doctor Who and yeah. eras of Doctor Who. And we, I'm very much, you know, looking forward to hopefully at some point working with Jodie Whittaker. But yeah. who knows when that would be. Of course. I mean, the fallout from some of these things, because, okay, so as someone who is making Doctor Who stories, but didn't have a hand in these stories. What's it like watching and finding out that the master has like the whole arc of the new series for me was, Oh, Gallifrey, Gallifrey lived. And then it gets, it gets mute as a, as a petulant gesture. You're sitting there going, well, shit, like where's Romana? What am I going to do with this? And then of course it's the, all right, well, she's actually like the beginning of the time Lords, which I know is a bit lung barrow esque. And then there's all this other stuff. Are you sitting there in your head mapping out like a serial killer kind of, you know, the board with all the pins yeah. and the strings? Are you, <laughs> are you doing like live triage? No, and no, well, I guess what I'm saying not. is... I, I, oh, okay. I rely on much more intelligent people than me to do that. So, <laughs> Sure. But no one's panicking. Everyone's like, all right, we can, we no, can roll with this, no, right? The reality is that, as I said, Doctor Who is such a flexible format and it's... Um, it's a developmental format and, and Doctor Who is always rediscovering itself that um, it's not a problem. It really isn't. Good. That's, that's very good. That's, that's a relief. You mentioned that because of the lockdown, um, mm. Christopher Eccleston's uh, manager was like, yeah, I think this is a good time for this. Um, and I've seen photos of Peter Davison sitting there in, a, in what looks like a closet with sort of a jury rigged studio yeah. going on. What is it like? dealing with and turning out all this content during during a crisis is it presenting um opportunities or is it really frustrating for you guys well it is i mean it's it's interesting we've um the first two weeks we didn't do anything because right. we had to sit down there and work out who had home mics what actors were available who was yeah. who was really important to us and um and therefore who did we have to um send mics too so um i was actually banned from amazon for hoarding because i was it's it's an algorithm within if you order the same thing repeatedly oh, obviously right. amazon thinks you're hoarding right. so they ban you while they assess it and then they decided when they realized it was microphones they let me back not off. toilet paper but sure. no exactly um if i was hoarding toilet paper i may have been suspended for a period of time but what I was doing was I was buying up microphones to send to various people. And it was the same microphone, basically, because we worked out what was best for us. And, right, right. Um, so I was um, buying them, sending this to an actor, buying them, sending to an actor, getting out the credit card, paying for all these mics. Yeah, we, I got banned. 
I got banned from Amazon for hoarding for only about uh, three days, and then they reinstated me. Right. right. Uh, but that was quite okay. funny. When I was, I basically had to email Amazon and say, honestly, this is work related. I need these <laughs> microphones. I'm not hoarding. I'm not going to be selling them for twice the price. Uh, so, All right. Yeah. yeah. But who, who amongst the, I mean, because the, the, the age range and surely the technical proficiency range of people who do big finish voice work must be a pretty big span can you be perfectly yeah. honest who, are the, who is the heaviest hitter who had the biggest tech problems during covid uh that would be wrong of me to say really uh I think that would be wrong of me i'm, I'm asking which doctor is the least tech yes, exactly <laughs> i'm saying it'd be wrong of me to say um yeah, okay. I, right, uh, you know the doctor is amazingly proficient at everything he does uh, he or she the uh, the reality is that we it is quite stressful recording remotely. Um, but what we did was we simplified it as much as possible. And we used software which was easily downloadable. Um, most actors are using um, a laptop in front of them with their script yep. and a Zoom on it so that they can communicate with the director and the other actors. And they have their headphones attached to the laptop and um, then they have an iPad or something similar, which has the software for recording on and a USB mic attached to the iPad. Yep. And um, then they are pressing record at the beginning and pressing stop at the end and then sending huh. things off. It's quite, we tried to make it as simple as possible in what we're doing. Um, we also have um, some sessions where we're able to get an engineer on board who is running. So we, we also have some engineers who may be running the studio session remotely, as it were. Um, but it really does depend on facilities available and what each of the actors have. So um, you're basically um, using the lowest common denominator so that everyone's recorded the same way. Um, okay. And also we have editors online at the same time who are receiving all the information and stacking them so obviously what would happen in the studio is that you would record all these tracks and you'd have a different mic on each track and yeah. they'd be running through and they'd be recording etc etc when it comes to um doing this remotely they're feeding in individual tracks and then the editor is stacking them on top of each other and then right. trying to line them all up and then making sure everyone's in the right place. And um, yeah, it's a lot more. I mean, people have said, oh, you're not paying for studios anymore. It must be so much cheaper. And I'm going, you're joking. The editing oh, God, no. is, is so much, uh, you know, we are spending a lot of money on editing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it sounds like when you do a normal audio play, it's a chef cooking with various ingredients in the kitchen. It sounds like now what you've got is the chef and people are mailing in an ingredient each and then yeah. he's having to sort of cobble it together and, and clean it up because it can't always come through in good quality. Like, have you listened back to some stuff and gone, Jesus Christ, it sounds like you did it via a cup and a string or is it okay? No, no, because what we've done is we've tested people's ability. If they said, I have a home studio, I can do this. Okay, let's yeah. have a sample. And we've gone through it and said, right, you're, you're a little bit this way, you're a little bit that way. What we need to do is show us what you've got. And they'll yep. show us, you go, ah, what you haven't got is you need to put a duvet against that wall behind you. And it's Laughing. like, oh, Laughing. right, I got you. Yep. And then yep. once you do that, you go, yep, that sounds good now, we're away. 
Um, right. There are people working in cupboards, an awful lot of that, where they've got yes. two around the sides of a cupboard and they're sitting there on the floor working away. There's um, people up in lofts. Uh, there's a certain doctor who uh, is up in his loft because he's got uh, a converted loft and it's away from all his kids and uh, he is working oh. in the loft. So I wonder, I wonder who it is. Cause my first thought was tenant, but then I thought, but he's got a TARDIS in his backyard. So surely yeah. he'd use the TARDIS, right? Right. Quite. Yes. I'm sure. 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 Okay. Um, I wanted, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm constantly struck by the fact that you just every year mm. you announce something which just emotionally ruins me and in the, i mean that in the best way possible you're like oh yeah we're doing the time war now uh or we're getting rory back as a centurion or we like it's crazy so i mean i guess now that you've got eccleston i know you can't say but like who, who okay pie in the sky yeah short of short of bringing pertwee back from from the dead who do you want next well i mean the the two obvious ones are um, uh, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi, obviously. Sure. Yep. Um, but you know, those will take some time. I think Matt's mm. got a lot on. I think he, I think that, that we've all of these actors and I think Christopher, I'm not speaking for Christopher here, but I think one of the elements is you, you do miss the role. It is one of those roles. I mean, um, I was watching uh, Pierce Brosnan did um, a uh, a commentary track for Goldeneye, um, mm. sitting by a beach, looking very suave and sophisticated in his seventies, uh, and you could tell that looking back on this now, it was an amazing time in his life, and he really missed being Bond, and you could yeah, tell yeah. that. And I think all actors who take these iconic roles, um, whether it's, you know, Christopher Reeve as a Superman, whether it's, um, uh, you know, Christopher Eccleston as Doctor Who, eventually you go, God, I really enjoyed doing that part. And you want to go back and do it. And I think with, with uh, Peter Capaldi, he needs to go off and do other things. And yeah. it's not even, you know, David Tennant, everyone sort of assumed that David would come back pretty much immediately and work for Big Finish. And I knew he wouldn't because he needed to get out there and do other things first. Yeah. And yeah. it was a good five, six years before he came and did Big Finish. And, um, you know, and that's a massive Doctor Who fan who, let's not forget, had done 16 productions for, Doctor, for Big Finish before he got the part of the Doctor. Oh, so yeah. It like we didn't know him. Um, and people were like, you should ask David Tennant. It's like, do you think we're not? You know, it's, yeah. it's um, you know, it, there was a very, and, you know, with historically, um, I'm one of these people who, who thinks you shouldn't presume. Now, by that, I mean, you shouldn't presume that people know that they're invited to a party, if you see that. Yes, okay. Okay. So, I, I, whenever I meet various doctors over the last 20 years, I've made it very plain, we want to work with you. And also yeah. companions as well. So there was a, an occasion um, where I was sat opposite uh, a doctor, I'm being very coy now, 
and we just happened to be on the same plane uh not in the same class uh but we were in the same lobby uh, lounge lounge thank you that was the word uh, yes so it, there was a dog actually made a very funny noise at that point you're probably gonna have to have i any, love uh, it now anyway but uh, i will uh, i will rephrase this so there was a there was a moment recently where uh, i was with a certain doctor um in a airport lounge and i halfway through chatting with them um i said just for the record you do know that we want you to work with Big Finish. I just thought I'd say that so it was clear. And they said, absolutely, I understand that, I get that. Okay, and I left it at that. Because, oh. because that's, you don't, you know, it wasn't the right time for that person. So yep. it's, things will develop over time and we will that's, see. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. It's great because, okay, here's a question. Now, you've obviously got favorite doctors, but what yeah. I'd like to ask is, who is your favorite companion ah. specifically created for Big Finish? Mm. You know, that's, that's a bit like, um, here, are, here are all your children. Which ones do you hate the least? You know, it's... All right, you can, you can pick two. You can pick two. Um, I... Uh... See, we've, we've created some amazing companions. Um, mm. I've got to say, though, that because of, um, I, I will say that um, Charlie Pollard and uh, played by India Fisher will always have a resonance with me because yeah. she was so important. And we... That's another example where I spoke with Paul McGann's agent and we agreed a deal and we went down and Paul at the time, this is 20 years ago, obviously now, yeah, uh, yeah. Paul was filming um, Hornblower, um, oh. and which was a great series, but he was filming it over in, uh, I don't exactly where, J Jamaica, Barbados, somewhere like that. So some yep. horrendous place, um, I'm sure it was awful for them to film there. But he was recording away for nine months of the year. And he very rarely got, to, you know, he, he didn't see his kids growing up during that period of time. So mm -hmm. the agent said, you know, Paul's very interested in doing this, but he never gets to see his kids. He doesn't want to come up to London because he lives in Bristol. Mm. Um, so it'd be great if he could actually, we could go to Bristol and record there. So we did. So it became location filming for us. And we picked everyone up and we went to uh, a beautiful uh, studio in uh, Bristol. And we recorded there for a week um, to get everything done. And we worked incredibly hard. Um, and we brought down, you know, uh, over the sessions we had in, in Bristol, we brought down people like Mark Gatiss and Simon Pegg and various other people to come and work with what was then the present doctor and that was the exciting thing for them all that they were going to be working with the present doctor this is where india comes in because we were so worried about casting the right companion because if we had made mistakes with that and we had got something massively wrong in the casting cast um, chameleon or something yeah yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 if we had got, if the, if there was no chemistry, yeah, between Paul McGann and India Fisher, 
then it could have been that Paul went through that session. Well, it was all right, but you know, I'm not that excited about coming back and doing it again. Um, and India was so spot on, and they their magic was so immediate that you know when I went up to Paul at the end and said, "So, uh, should we do this again?" Um, he was like, "Absolutely, yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't I? It's been great, you know." So. Oh. Um, so India was part of that process of making Paul really happy about playing the doctor again. And, um, so for that reason alone, let alone the fact she's brilliant and she, it's, it's a, it's a character we, you know, there's an argument we, we should have killed off Charlie and just killed her and left her in a, uh, but she's so brilliant that um you know we couldn't do that we we fell in love with india and we fell in love with charlie so we the point where we're still we're still doing our own spin-off series and we've got another one to do and we partner her up with colin and there's so much we've done with the character so i think you know if we're looking at big finish's greatest successes charlie is one of them you know on the flip side of that and in in a completely different way um, Lucy Miller as well is one yes. of our greatest successes because Sheridan brought something so different to the companion role. Um, Sheridan is is one of the most emotional actress I've worked with. Now, sometimes emotional actress is used as a negative term. Um, I'm using it as a very positive term because what Sheridan always brought to any role that she um, she inhabits is the ability to um, live that role and be that character. And um, I found that myself when I was directing her and um, I was pushing back on something she was doing naturally and saying, oh, can you do it a bit more this way because of this? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, we discussed it and she burst into tears. And I felt like the worst human being in the world because she is the loveliest person. And, um, and I had to go in there and say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She said, no, no, I need to give you what you want, but I'm, fi- I'm fighting this internally because of this. Right. And we had to talk it all through until the point where she's like, oh, okay, I've got it now. Um, because she is the character when she's playing. Yeah. She, uh, she's the least actory actor I know because she inhabits characters. There is a, there is a, I'm not gonna say what production it is, but there is a a story about Sheridan where she was doing a musical. And as you probably aware, she's she's won a lot of awards from musicals and she's, Mm. she gets out there and she has an amazing connection with the audience. Um, And she was doing this musical and during a song, she burst into tears. And um, every night she got the same note from the director which is, we can't hear you singing properly all the song. And what the director, because he was, he was like, I want to get, you know, you, I want you to cry, pull back, sing the song, cry, pull yeah. back, sing the song. She can't do that. She's in the moment and she's feeling these emotions and she's doing it. She's and, crying. And my, my note to that director would have been, have you seen your audience? Because the audience is in tears watching yeah. and therefore the fact that they they can't hear exactly every word she's saying 
is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Because they are getting it through the emotion. So, yeah. So those are two. But, you know, you, you start me off and I'll keep going because uh, Maggie Stables, um, the wonderful late Maggie Stables, um, you know, she brought so much to the character of Evelyn Smythe as well. My, one of my favourites. Yeah. Well, there you go. And yeah. Maggie um, was ill for a very long time. You know, longer than we even realised at the end. Right. Um, and she loved doing something new with her life because she had a, she's a prime example. She was a lot older than people realised, uh, more older, much older than I realised. Um, and she had a complete career and retired. She was a, a lecturer at a university in French. Oh. And, and she finished that career and then thought, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I know I'm going to be an actor. So started right. acting once she retired and then started touring and then started doing all this work and worked with Nick Briggs um, in, uh, in Nottingham, the Nottingham Rep. And, and Nick was like, she's an amazing actress. And, um, and we cast her in the first ever Doctor Who production and just kept casting her. And we all fell in love with her because she was such an amazing character. You could, honestly, I, I always say I, I went on a date with Maggie Stables because, um, not really, but we sort of did in that we, we found ourselves at a loss. We went over to the Gallifrey Convention years yep. ago and um maggie was was very uh, was was it was great for her that at, at her age suddenly she had fans that's amazing and yeah. and she was loving it and uh, but she wanted to nip out and go and see some art and i had to see a friend and this was i think the day after no it's probably the day before gallifrey actually had started or maybe it's the day after i can't remember now anyway um, and I said, well, I'm going down to Santa Monica because I'm seeing a friend. Do you, do you, um, and we looked and there was a place that wanted, she wanted to go to. And I said, well, why don't I drive you down and then we'll go for, and I'll see my friends and you see the art gallery and then uh, we'll meet up for dinner. And she went, great, let's do that. And so we went down there and we met back at 6.30, had dinner together. And as I said, it, uh, and I got to have... Um, a very a date with Evelyn Smythe. Date with Evelyn Smythe. Um, it was fantastic, and I said, I said to her at the time, you know, we're on a date now, so let's let's have some champagne. Let's do this. Let's do that. And and we had a great night, a fantastic night. And I'm oh. so glad I got a chance to do that because she was such a wonderful woman, and um, it was uh, it's a, it's a, it's something I look back on immensely fondly. And she actually. Um, set me to rights on a number of things she told me off for a number of things and she set me to rights on a number of things and um and i was like yes you're right no no maggie you're absolutely right so um you know and and we had a very good laugh that night um and it was great fun and uh yes so uh, maggie you know but i can i can go through all the companions uh yeah. olivier's become a very good friend of mine i've known phil for over 20 years um and um his his playing of hex is immense he brings so beautiful much to the character 
And this is the problem now. We can go on because actually, I've got to say, we've done so well in our casting. Um, you know, there we we've had so many great companions, and it's so wonderful working with. Um, the other day, I was discussing Peter Purvis, for example, yes. um, and how brilliant he is as Stephen. Um, not just with the big finish stuff, but actually we were going back and watching some of his stuff on television. And he's always been brilliant. He's a great actor. He's, his career just went in a slightly different way, ending up in Blue Peter as a presenter, and he's been a presenter. And I, wondered, I did wonder to the person I was chatting to, I thought, um, what would have happened if he never got Blue Peter? What would his career have been like? Because he was such an obvious leading man. Yeah. So tall and good looking and he was a good actor and he went in a different direction. And um, yeah, it would have been fascinating to have seen what he would have ended up with. Uh, now that's, that's extremely, that's extremely relatable for me. I was like 20, God, I was like late twenties. And then mm. the ABC offered me this kid's quiz show. And I ended up basically playing this Dickensian nitwit in this show called steampunks for years. And my yeah. agent was like, Paul, when you do this, you are never going to be able to go back to yeah. like adult acting, not adult acting, uh, you know, in like merchant ivory and shit. So basically yeah. they were like, they thought it was a bizarre pivot, but I'm like, no, cause I like yelling at children. I like, you know, being emotionally demonstrative. It's, um, it's so interesting that he went towards blue Peter. Cause I think that sounds like a dream job, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's so amazing you talking about this. I do find it really interesting that we're listing these companions, these big finished yeah. creations. And when I have friends who love Doctor Who but don't know what big finish is, mm. the only way to get them into it is to get them to listen to like those really great ramping on episodes like Storm Warning or the one where the Sixth Doctor rocks up to Evelyn's house and they just sort of have this prolonged discussion. And then she gives ibuprofen to some medieval king. And she, like these, these adventures that, exist in Big Finish, uh, I feel like the second you get someone in, it's like a gateway drug. You give them a taste and then they're hooked and then they're hooked forever. <laughs> um, yeah, I tell I guess- you, someone pointed this out to me. They do really, it said you realize you, you work like a drug dealer because yeah. we've got a lot of stuff on our site for two ninety nine now. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's less it's than a cup baggy. of coffee. It's yeah. less than a cup of coffee. So, you know, you listen to a hundred of those and then suddenly you're hooked. So <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything without big finish. Like I just, for the first time heard the one with the fifth doctor and uh, it's the Wang Chiang prequel. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I didn't know. I just sort of like hit next and I'm listening and I'm like, no, it's the butcher of Brisbane. Oh my God. And it's just, it's like, it takes this thing that was, it's like the show gives you colors to paint with and you paint a fucking monastery. You paint the Sistine chapel and it's just it's the scale of what you do is, staggering um and well, i've been yeah. we're very lucky in that we we have no scales to react against because audio is in your head and yeah, you yeah. create your own your own maps and we can do very intimate pieces mm. so for example we did a if you haven't heard it yet there's a very interesting piece which has become very resonant now called uh three's company yeah right. so basically it's the premise that um everyone's isolated on this world in their own little pods uh, communicating and if, if they meet people they freak out because you know they, they're just not used to having people around yeah and the doctor basically brings several people together and they're all freaking out by the fact they're all there 
And at the time it was interesting, but we I should really go back and listen to that now because of isolation, because I was here with my girlfriend um, in my house for, God, how many? So we, we, we didn't see anybody else for weeks and weeks and weeks, but we stocked up the freezer. Um, we got two freezers here. Yeah. Um, so the freezers were stocked up, got fresh food in, and away we went. And we didn't need to leave. At one point, I had to go out in the car and drive it around the countryside, predominantly because uh, my it was so it wouldn't so it wouldn't break and uh, the battery would run down because we just weren't yeah. thinking. Hang on a minute, I haven't used that car in months. You know, God, yeah, uh, we better go and different now of course we're all traveling around quite a bit but um uh it's yeah so i want to go back i should go back and listen to three's company because it's about isolation and then meeting people and i think actually we had a bit of that yeah although for me and tegan it's been a bit like what was the one where the eighth doctor and charlie were in that sort of like blank space and they ended up merging into the same person yeah, what is so. that it's skirt so. what is it one of my favourites. It's, 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 I think it's a German word, but I, it's uh, Rob Shearman. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Absolutely and, insane. And you couldn't and do it on TV? No, because it's about whiteness and openness and just blank canvas. It's sort of, yeah. yeah I mean, they did an element of that within Warrior's Gate. But uh, it's, um, it, we, we are given a huge amount of latitude to do some weird and wonderful things and to try yeah. experimental things. And it's important that we do that. I'm coming back to Gary's comment, different types of Doctor Who for different types of people and the necessity mm. for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You got your kids TV and you got your Christopher Nolan and everything in between is big finish. Yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. yeah. <laughs> now we need um, to do our big dark night, actually. You know. Yeah. Get some Hans Zimmer, just big blahs. You know, that's practically the, the uh, cloister bell anyway. I have taken a truly piss-takey amount of time of your time and I am off to do a, a radio interview for Electric Blue because we launched two days ago and I'm about to talk to some radio station uh, about right. a book. Yeah, I really, I really think you're going to dig it. It's, uh, it's very, very, very weird and I took a lot of liberties, but I think, yeah, I think you're also, also, there's a character in there who is my dad, the character based on my dad, he has a mentor and because I'm a Doctor Who fan, I thought, fuck it, it's John Pertwee's Doctor. So literally, he's... John Pertwee's doctor is in the book. He's not named as such, but the accent, the velvet coat, the everything, if you're a Who fan, it's just going to be... I mean, Penguin didn't notice, so I thought, you know, why not? See you, Matt. Bye now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.